You're listening to the Caroline Springs Anglican Podcast. For more information about the church, go to taccs.org.au. So over the last two weeks, we've uh, had a two-week pop-up series on the gospel, the good news about Jesus called Keeping the Gospel on Repeat. So last week, we, we took a, lo- a look at keeping the gospel central to everything that we do and soaking in the old truths of Christianity rather than looking to new ways or new truths or new things, but soaking in the gospel truth and keeping that gospel on repeat and never, never, ever getting tired of hearing it. And this week, God's really drawn me um, to consider our vision. So our church's vision is to be a community of people helping people make all of life all about Jesus. And I've been thinking about how do, we, how do we do this? How do we become a people who make all of life all about Jesus? And the answer, I think, is by keeping the gospel on repeat, by keeping Jesus on repeat until we become fluent in preaching the gospel to ourselves and preaching the gospel to our friends. When I, um, when I finished high school, I'd uh, drummed up an overseas trip. I went to Europe for a couple of months because we had some host students stay with us, so I wanted to go visit them. So they were situated in Switzerland and in Germany. So they both spoke German. So in Switzerland, they speak Swiss German. In Germany, they speak High German. So what I thought it would be a great exercise was I'm going to teach myself German. In year seven, I learned at least three phrases of Indonesian, so I was pretty confident that I'd be able to learn German on my own. So week by week, I started to memorize uh, phrases and different words so that when I went over to Germany, I'd be able to speak German and people would be able to understand me. So I caught my flight over and it was all well and good with the, the people that I was staying at. They could understand me. And the very next day, I walked. Uh, I actually caught a train into Zurich where I was staying, walked around, and I thought I was doing a fantastic job of speaking German. I was able to order lunch for myself. And it was only till after lunch that I realized that you, I, just, I just forgot everything. And the only phrase I could remember was, was Sinde Hamburger. And you, you need more than to find out where the hamburgers are. When in Germany, I wasn't fluent in the language, I just understood a bit. Because when you're fluent in something, you can speak it quickly, you can think in it. You don't have to labor over every single word. You just, you just know it. And so to be the kind of people that God is calling our church and our community to be, we need to become fluent in the gospel. To be able to speak its truth to one another. Every day, keeping that gospel on repeat time and time and time again. And preaching it to ourselves. So how do we do that? One of the ways that we, we learn and we gather truth is we open up God's word. We ask him in prayer to uh, guide us and to open our eyes and ears and hearts. So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to read the passage we're going to anchor ourselves in today, which is Ephesians. 4, 11 to 16. It's been a, a good passage for our church. It's probably been the passage most used in our sermons. I think John has preached at least four or five times on it. It's been very kind and, and loving to our church and a good directive. So I'm going to pray for us. So as, I, as we bow our heads, I'll pray for you, and I'd love it if you could pray for me. Um, and then we'll open up God's Word. 
Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for your word, for your truth, for your gospel. We thank you for your son who died on a cross to not only rescue us from our, our sin, but to redeem us and make us a new people. Father, please open our eyes and our ears and our hearts towards you this morning. Just, just deliver us just even a bit more of that gospel truth, a bit more about Jesus, some more understanding. Lord, deliver us so that we can be made mature in Christ. Amen. So I'm going to read out Ephesians 4, 11, 16. What we do is generally we go verse by verse through the chapter. I'm just going to quickly go through Ephesians and anchor us in that, and then I'm going to talk a bit about that and extrapolate a bit out. So this is Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, uh, sorry, he being God, my mistake, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by ways, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Praise God for this passage. Ephesians 4, it starts out. If you, you might have got a drift, especially in the, the early bits. Every single thing is about Jesus. It talks about maturity, about unity. It talks about attaining things, the knowledge, the Son of God to mature manhood. It's all about Jesus. All of those things are given to the church so that we can grow up and mature in Christ. That's the entire reason. God has given people to our church, our community. He's given prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers and, and, and preachers and pastors to our community. And that's not just myself and Jono, but many people in the congregation to equip every single Christian, everyone who's here today, to do the work of ministry together. And as we do this work of ministry together, as we are on mission and, and working together, we grow up and mature into Christ. That's the, the goal of, of this. We meet together to bring God glory and to worship Him and honor Him and to grow up into Him, to be made more like Jesus. That's the goal of this church, to help people People helping people make all of life all about Jesus, maturing into Jesus. And Paul goes on to say in 13, sorry, 14, why do we want to do this? Why do we want to mature in Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Growing up, I heard this phrase, speaking the truth in love to one another. And what I imagined it was saying was that say true things kindly to one another. That's what I thought it meant. And so if you're anything like me, you've probably received a few hard words delivered in love. Um, Maybe not as many as me. I've got a hard head and need to be told true things often. And so I would hear these things all the time. Jimmy, just shave your beard. You look like a Viking. Jimmy, cut your hair. You look like an idiot. Jimmy, stop referring to yourself in third person in your sermons. It's not very good. And so that's what I just imagined it was. Speak the truth in love to one another, saying true things kindly. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because if the aim is to mature into Christ, is to be made more like Jesus, then it can't just be about the truth. Because if, if you want to be a skateboarder, say you want to be, grow up and be a skateboarder, then what do you do? You skateboard. If you want to be a psychologist, then you immerse yourself in psychology. And if you want to be made into the image of Christ to mature into Jesus then doesn't it make sense that we soak ourselves in Jesus? Jesus himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. And so when Paul says, speak the truth in love to one another, what he's calling us to do is to speak Jesus to one another, to speak the gospel to one another, to keep Jesus and the gospel on repeat with one another so that we can all attain the maturity of Christ, that we can grow up and be like Jesus, which is a beautiful, beautiful picture, speaking the truth in love. A couple of, couple of weeks ago, um, after a Youth Alpha session we've been doing with some of our youth on a Monday night, we've been meeting to sort of ask big questions and tough questions, and we were sitting there with a group of young people, and we were trying to discuss this question of why, when, when I become a Christian, and I hear all these things about myself that, I, that should be true. Why doesn't it feel like that? Why doesn't it feel like God loves me? Why doesn't it feel like God's my Father? Why doesn't it feel like my sins have been forgiven or that I've been washed white as snow or that God has given me intimate access to Him? See, I, I hear those things to be true. But why doesn't it, it feel like that? I think that's something that I, I feel quite often, that I hear these truths and I read them. Uh, I just think, well, it doesn't feel like that. And in some ways, I think it's like when we turn 18 or, or 21. Okay? When you turn 18, there's, there's really no difference about yourself to when you're 17 years and 364 days. Right? There's, no, there's no extra thing that you've got. You haven't grown a third arm. There's no extra bit about yourself, but in some way... The entire universe looks at you differently. Your friends look at you differently. Your parents look at you differently. There's a truth about you that has changed. You can now drive. You can buy a home. You can get married. You can do lots of things, legally at least, for the very first time. But what if no one had ever reminded you of that truth? That you had turned from 17 years to 18 years and no one had told you that you could drive a car? You just believe lies about yourself. I think that's why so often we struggle to feel things, to know things deeply. We just feel like hypocrites is because we've believed lies about ourselves and no one's told us the truth. No one's come alongside us and spoken Jesus to us in love. 
and replace the lies that we believe with truth. Too often, the life I used to lead calls out to me. My old life and its old lies call out to me and I believe it rather than the truth that God says about me. That I am forgiven. That my sins are white as snow. That He is my Father. That I have intimate access. That I'm a son of God even though I was a child of wrath. See, that's true. But I believe these lies about myself instead of the truth. And I think one of the goals Every Christian is to speak the truth in love with one another. So what does it look like? What does it look like practically to speak truth in love with, with, sorry, truth in love with one another? So last week, I, um, you ever have one of those weeks where every bill comes in the space of three or four days and you start stressing out because you've been working hard and your bank account's been going up all month so you're feeling pretty good about yourself and then suddenly you have to pay out three or four or five bills all at once and you watch the money deplete. Well, we, had, we had one of those weeks. So it's a demoralizing week to begin with. Then I get my very first parking fine. Um, I've never had a parking fine before and so I got this parking fine. And so what I do when I, I get stressed is I go and exercise. And so I was exercising with a friend of mine. We were out riding in lovely Diamond Creek. I was having a good time. And two kilometers before we were to finish our, our ride together, my derailleur snapped on my bike. The derailleur is the bit on the, the back wheel that changes your gears to and fro. And it's not meant to snap. This is a bad thing to snap on your bike. I was looking at $250, $300 to fix this derailleur. I had to get an entirely new chain. And I'm just like, what is going on? I'm stressing so much that our accounts aren't going to balance out. It's not going to work out. And so what I do when I get stressed is I complain to my wife about it because that's, that's, a, that's a good reason she's, she's around is to listen to my complaining. And she's a faithful wife. And so she listens to me. Um, and so I was sitting in bed and I was complaining about how our accounts weren't balancing out and it's not going to work out and um, all this stuff's not going to happen because we won't be able to afford it. And, and Sarah just looked at me and is like, Jimmy, you're, you're believing lies about yourself and you need to believe the truth. And I was just like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about that I'm believing lies? And like, you're believing lies about yourself and you need to believe the truth. So, Jimmy, what's the gospel? What's the good news about Jesus? Say, I know this good news. I, I don't think it applies. No, no. What's the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. I didn't really want to go into it. I just wanted to give her a, you know, a, a nice, small answer and thought that would be done and the, inquisi- the inquisition would be over. She said, no, no. What's the gospel? <sighs> okay. The gospel is the news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again and appeared to many and ascended to the Father. Okay, and so what, is, what does that mean for you? Well, now I have, I have confidence before God because when he sees me, he sees the perfection of Christ and the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. Okay, and so how do you feel about our monetary situation now? Well, I guess if Christ could forgive my sins when I was dead in my trespasses and dead in the grave, that I was destined to spend a life eternally separated from God and he saved me from that, then I could probably deal with this bill issue. That's speaking the truth and love to one another. 
replacing lies. And it was just like, it was like a switch had been hit. Uh, just the stress had dissipated. And she's right. I was believing lies about myself, that our monetary situation changed my identity and that God was impotent and indifferent to our situation and like God was surprised that we had all these bills and that he didn't care. It's lies. The truth is that he loves us deeply. He's for us. And regardless of our monetary situation, that hasn't changed. That's the truth. And Sarah could have gone much, much deeper into that. Asked me, well, who do you follow, Jimmy? I follow Jesus. So Jesus is your boss. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus is my boss. That's, that's reasonable. Okay, and so have you ever had a, a debt to Jesus? A debt to God? Well, yeah, I had the greatest debt to God. And what's, what happened to that debt? Well, Jesus paid it on the cross. So what, which was greater, the debt that you owed to God or the debt that we owe to our, our electricity company? Well, definitely the debt that I owed to God. Did God give with that? Yes, he did on the cross. It's finished. It's complete. It's, it's just lies that we believe about ourselves and we need to replace it with this gospel truth. And we can do it about almost anything because the gospel applies everywhere. Say someone comes to you and says, well, I'm struggling to forgive someone. They've done something that's really bad to me and you know, I don't think I can forgive them. I think that what they've done is un." Forgivable. So I, you ask that person, well, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he ascended onto the throne. Okay. So he died for our sins. So how much of a sinner were you? I was the worst. The Bible describes me as separated from God, dead in my trespasses, a child of wrath and separated from God. Okay. And what was, what was the worst sin that you did? Well, I rebelled against God. Everyone has. Okay, so that's the worst thing that you've ever done to rebel against God. How did God deal with you? Well, he sent his son to die for me on the cross to bring back that relationship, to wipe my sin clear. Well, how, how clear is your sin? How much has God separated your sin from you? Well, as far as the east is from the west. Jesus says I'm forgiven of past, present, and all future sin as long as I remain in him. Okay, and so what was greater? Your offense against God or what this person has done to you? Well, the, the offense against God. So God has already forgiven the inexcusable in you. And it's just like this switch. If God has forgiven the unforgivable in me, then how can I not, get, not forgive the unforgivable in them? Because there's lots of things that are unforgivable. I don't know what's going on in your life, but there's lots of things that should never be should never have been forgiven by us. But when we dwell on this truth that Christ has forgiven us even when we were dead in our trespasses, the wages of our conduct was death, and yet he has brought us into life, that's, that's amazing. That's replacing lies that this person has done something unforgivable and inexcusable with truth. That's what's speaking the truth in love. To one another is like. And what often happens as a Christian is that we hear the gospel, we hear its beautiful truth, its simple truth that Jesus died for sinners, was buried, resurrected, and appeared to many, then ascended into heaven. And we, we start off with that truth and we keep that truth on repeat and we, we play it loud and often. And then we think, well, 
Now this is, this is really simple. I've heard this sermon before. I've heard this truth before. I've heard what the preacher's saying before. I've heard what the Bible's saying before. I can't just be it. Surely there has to be something more. There has to be a deeper truth than, than this. And Jesus is saying, no, no, don't advance past the gospel. Keep the gospel on repeat. Speak the gospel to one another. Speak the truth to one another. Speak Jesus to one another in love. What often happens is that we'll replace the gospel with another method of maturing into Christ. And all that does is let us down. Because just like if you want to become a psychologist, you study psychology. If you want to study Jesus and be like Jesus, then you need to immerse yourself in Jesus and anything else will fall short. Because it would be really easy for me to uh, come to that person who is um, dealing with you know, not being able to forgive someone and say, well, forgiving people is what good men do or good women, or good husbands, or good wives, or anything. But that would be setting them up to fail. Because you could be the manliest man who ever manned in the history of manning, and still not be like Jesus. That would be a horrible shame. It's the reason why I pretty much boycott uh, Christian bookstores. Because every time I walk into them, I have this moment where I want to be like Jesus in the temple, because what they're peddling is rubbish. They're presenting all these books and self-help Christian things that say you can mature in Christ and you can grow up and you can be a better person, but you don't need Jesus, you need these steps. And I just want to say all you need is the gospel. You already have the gospel. Open up the Bible and read it. That's how you mature into Christ. That's how you mature into Jesus. I think every church should have an annual self-help book burning session just because that's probably all they're good, with, good for. I just, I, I, yeah, I get angry. Ask me about it later. You probably won't, we'll still be here at three, three o'clock. And so what, what I can hear some of you thinking, and because I've thought in the past when a preacher has, has told me this or someone has reminded me of this is, well, that's very well for you. That's great for you, Jimmy, or, or Jono, or, or Sarah, or, or someone else who's involved in ministry at the church. You've been to Bible college and You've, you've really studied these truths. I'm just a, a whatever, a janitor, a mum, a teacher, a, I don't know, any other occupation. I can't do that. It's, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. Here's three reasons why that's a lie. So first off, first off, it's a lie because you've forgotten who you work for. Regardless of your occupation, whether you're a pastor or a delicatessen, whether you're a janitor or a lawyer, all of us work for Jesus. Who do we follow? We follow Jesus. Jesus is our boss, right. And so what's Jesus doing right now? Well, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, and what's he doing at the seat of the right hand of the Father? Well, he's ruling. Okay, so you, you work for, your boss is Jesus who rules at the right seat, the right hand of the Father. Yep, that's, that's correct. So here's your boss. He, you work for him. Right. So he lets you work. Yeah, yeah, he does. So the occupation isn't that lowly then, is it? It's just this lie that we believe that some occupations and some jobs are, are lesser. It's a lie. Replace it with the truth that we work for Jesus. 
in every single occupation, every work that we do is for Him and for the glory of God. There's nothing easier than to believe these lies about yourself. That's why I'm such a big believer in Christian community, in churches, in small groups, and catching up one-on-one because there are days where I just cannot believe the truth about myself to save myself. I need people around me who can replace lies with truth, who can replace lies with the gospel, who can replace just these untruths about myself with truths that Jesus says about me. That's what I think one of the best things about our church is, is that we meet in these small groups and can point out with one another the lies that we've come to believe and expose them in the light of Jesus and walk with one another so that we can start believing these truths about ourselves by keeping the gospel on repeat time and time and time again. It's one of the best services the church can do. The second lie. So the first lie was that my occupation isn't high enough. I don't have to do this. The second lie is that, well, well, pastors and preachers and, the, and people in the church, they have some deeper knowledge. You know, they've studied the scriptures. They've really learned all about Jesus. They must possess some extra knowledge that I don't have. And that's why they're able to do this. And it's a lie because the only thing we possess is the gospel. If someone came to our church and wrote down every original idea that I've ever had in a sermon, they could open up their book and write a big fat zero. Because the moment we depart from the gospel is the moment that we mature people into something that's not Jesus. Sit, sit on that for a moment. The moment we depart from Jesus, the moment we depart from the gospel, is the minute that we mature believers into something that isn't Jesus. That's why we can be about spiritual family, we can be about prayer or evangelism or, or all these different things, but at the centre of our church is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And the good thing about the gospel is that it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian of day one or you've been a Christian for the last 50 years. We all possess the same gospel. It doesn't change, hasn't changed, will never change. And every single one of us can hold its truth and immerse our life in it. We've said, I've said, repeated the gospel time and time again that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins, was buried, resurrected, appeared to many, ascended to heaven. That's the good news. And if you want to preach truth to one another, if you want to speak the truth in love, that's the only thing you need. You don't need deeper truth. The only thing that further study of the Bible will do is to delve deeper into the delight of the gospel. It will just reveal more beauty about the gospel. But you don't need it. Because when you have the gospel, you have everything you need. Because the gospel shows us Jesus in his fullness. And maybe you've, you've come to church and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know the gospel. You know, I, don't, I still can't do this. I've heard the gospel. I've, someone said the gospel to me, but I still don't know it. Well, the very first thing that you can do is to pray, to ask God to equip you. Remember, he is a good father who loves you and gives good gifts to his children. To ask him to open up your ears and your eyes and your heart to him. And the next best thing is to sit down with someone and say, I'd really love to know the gospel. Can you teach me the gospel? Can we walk through the gospel? Just explain it to me. Because that's, there's not a deeper truth 
than this one. It's a simplex statement, something that even the simplest of simpletons can grab and revel in, yet something the most complex of theologians will spend their entire lifetime searching and delving into and not fully understanding. It's the gospel, and each and every one of us possesses it. The third thing is that I can't, the third lie is that, oh, I can't do it now, which means that I can never do it. See, no one has ever become equipped at something without trying, without effort. Um, perfect example of this. One of our youth, uh, Davinda Gunasekara, has challenged me to do a triathlon with him. Okay, so I can ride, that's great. I can run slowly. Swimming, like a stone in the water. A sink, it's not a, it's not a good sight. And so... Uh, He's been teaching me how to swim. I should have learned it in high school, but I didn't. Um, that's my fault. And so the very first time I went to the Keelor pool, he watched me swim. And after the first time, that, so it's a 25-meter pool, which is not very far, and we, he did, just do a lap, do a lap. So I do my lap, and I'm like, <gasps> having an asthma attack. See, before I started off this training, what I had was unconscious incompetence. I simply didn't know that I wasn't very good at swimming. Okay? I didn't know. But now that I'm in the pool and I'm trying, I've got conscious incompetence. I'm very, very, very aware that I'm not very good at swimming. And then if I keep going, I'll probably drown. Okay? So this is, this is the way that anyone gets equipped at anything. First, you start off with unconscious incompetence. You move to conscious Competence, uh, sorry, conscious incompetence. So you, you don't know that you didn't know. Now you know that you're not very good at swimming. Slowly, slowly, you, you become equipped and you start to understand a, a bit more, a bit deeper. Um, I, Dev taught me a bit about swimming, about how you should use your arms and how you should breathe, that you probably shouldn't hold your breath for 13 strokes. That's not very good. You'll drown that way. Um, and so what would happen is that I was becoming competent but I had to think about it all the time. And so I was thinking, well, I've got to do my strokes now, and now I've got to breathe, and now I've got to kick, and now I've got to push off, and I've got to do all these different things. And the final step for each and every one who wants to be equipped in anything is unconscious competence. You don't think about it. Just like we speak the English language. I don't think about it. I'm just saying words to you. I don't have to think through my language. I don't have to labor on it. And just like that with swimming, it will come... Eventually, I assume and hope and pray, is that I won't have to think about my strokes or my breathing or how I push off. It will just come naturally to me. I'll be, I don't even have to be aware that I'm doing it. In the water, I'll just be free. And our hope and dream is that everyone can have that about the gospel. So you've come here this morning, and, and maybe for many of you, you've been unaware that you weren't able to share the gospel in this way, that you weren't able to speak the truth in love with one another. And now you know. I pointed it out to you. And the reason I do that is because I'm speaking the truth in love to you, and I don't want you to grow up into anything other than Jesus. I want you to mature in Christ. And so, I was, you don't know that you didn't know. Now you're very aware that you're not sure how to do this. And so the very next step is to try and I think most of us are scared of this option because we might appear foolish or we might appear silly or we might get it wrong. And I've been greatly encouraged by Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler is a 
preacher in Texas. And um, me and Jono got the chance to hear him at a conference last year, in the Acts 29 conference. And he was sharing how he started out preaching the gospel and speaking the truth in love to one another. He just told all his friends that they were sinners destined to hell and they need Jesus. That was his entire gospel. And um, he just shared with us, well, that's, that's dumb. Like, that's not how you, you speak the gospel in love. That's not how you speak the truth in love to one another. It needs to be more nuanced and you need to listen and all these other things that I, I learned along the way but I only learned about them because I first stepped out in faith and spoke the truth in love to someone. It was that first step that was the hardest. And I was aware of my language and I was very aware that I probably wasn't getting the gospel very correct. Yet God blessed it and people were saved and people follow Jesus now because of his, his ministry early on in his days. But that first step where he was very aware of everything that he was doing, what you do is you, you keep that on repeat. You keep saying the gospel, keep speaking the truth in love to one another, and slowly but surely, the gospel becomes our fluent language. It becomes something that we don't even need to think about. Just like we speak English, we speak the gospel to one another. That's, that's my hope and dream for this church. This is what we pray about, that we become so fluent in the gospel that when someone asks us for advice that we have no other answer except the gospel, because anything else is worthless. That we become so immersed in the truth of Jesus that when someone asks us any question at all, the only question we can reply with is Jesus. When someone asks us for advice, Jesus. Remind them about the truth about themselves. As come, uh, I, was, I was speaking last night with Sarah, my wife, and she was like, well, maybe, maybe give a couple more examples about how to do this, just practically. She says, well, maybe just go through the same thing with a couple of different people. Um, you could talk about mums who feel unappreciated and undervalued. You could talk about year 12 students who are feeling anxious at the moment because their VCE is only six weeks away and they're feeling like the stress is overwhelming and that they'll feel like a failure. Those, those are two of the easiest to speak the gospel to. Mums often feel... Uh, unvalued and unappreciated and unseen. Yet the truth of the gospel is that before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be a part of his people and he delights in every single thing that you do. He sees what you do. You're not unseen. You're not undervalued because you're a child of God who has intimate access. And that's unchanging, always. And though we believe lies about ourselves like we're not seen and we're undervalued and no one sees the hard work that we put on with these small children who can't even thank us yet because they can't speak the language properly back to us. God chose you and sees you every single day. And what father, because that's what God is to us, our father, just like you wouldn't laugh at your child taking their first steps, he delights in watching you follow him. He loves it. And to the year 12 student or anyone who's struggling with anxiety and feeling like that if I don't finish this report or this finish this exam that I'll feel like a failure and I won't get into college and that means that I won't be able to do the job that I want and I won't be able to have the marriage or the life that I want or do all these different things that I've planned out for my life. And the lie is that what you get on this exam or report changes your identity. It changes you from 
whoever you are now, to a failure, to a loser. And the truth is that when you're in Christ, your identity never shifts. You're not your worst day and you're not your best day. Because your identity is rooted in who Christ is and he is unchanging and ever-present. That's the beauty of the gospel is that we can speak truth to ourselves. And whenever we're feeling anxious or depressed or or any of these, these feelings that make us feel less than worthy of the gospel, make us feel insecure, remind ourselves that in some way we're believing lies and need someone to speak the truth into our lives. That's what every Christian should be desiring. That's what I desire more than anything else is for you to see lies that I've come to believe in my life to point them out to me because they're affecting my life every single day. They're causing me to live life as less than worthy of a conqueror, even though that Jesus says, I'm a conqueror with Christ. And so as a church, our prayer, Jono's prayer, Suzanne's prayer, every single person on the staff team, on the board's prayer, is that our church becomes fluent in the gospel, that it becomes our native tongue, that we keep that gospel on repeat with one another so that we can grow into the maturity of Christ. That's what we seek and what we desire. And so I'm going to pray for us now. But if that's what you seek, just speak to someone. Just reach out and say, I want to learn to speak the gospel like that. Try it in your next week. When's, when your husband or your wife or your, your child or, or someone you know, a friend has come to you for advice, speak the truth to them. Speak the gospel to them. Remind them of who God says they are or who God says they could be if they become one of their children responding in faith to the gospel message. I'm going to pray for us that this becomes true. Father, I just thank you for this truth that we are unworthy people, unworthy sinners who left to our own devices will be headed on their way to eternal separation and thrilled to death about it. Yet you intervened in our tragedy and redeemed our story and our purpose, made us children of God with intimate access and washed us white as snow so that our sins don't count as stains on our heart anymore. Father, remind us of this truth every single day. Remind us of the gospel. Keep that gospel and repeat. Put people in our lives who can speak the gospel and teach us how to speak the gospel so that we can grow into this image and this maturity of Christ, that we can grow to be more like Jesus. Father, convict our church of the need to be gospelly fluent, to speak the gospel truth in every situation, all of the time. Father, I thank you for all that you've done, all the ways that you've brought people into our church and that you've given our church evangelists and apostles and preachers and and teachers and the wide variety of people who have come to be equipped to do the work of ministry. Lord, let us go out as a church and speak gospel truth and reveling in the mission that Jesus has called us to. Amen.